Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival. I am the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined here by our host, Peter Englert, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today's guest is Aaron McGinnis, newly hired, newly hired Director of Student Ministries at Browncroft. And today's topic, why can't my friends talk about anything serious? Peter and John, take it away. All right. Wow. Well, uh, we're dump- jumping into the deep end again. That's what we like to do here. Why can't my friends talk about anything serious? Uh, that's that's the topic of the day and a good one at that. You know, one of the things that I've uh, discovered, Peter, as I've you know worked with college students over the years is that I'll end up, especially the last few years, I'm having, I'll start a conversation about something deeper with them and we'll get into a dialogue that might last I don't know anywhere from 15 minutes to sometimes an hour or more and and I'm just asking them questions about their life and what they think and sometimes what they think about God and these these questions go deep but then almost every time now I'm finding at the end of those conversations what happens is that student will turn to me and say thank you so much I never talk about this stuff with my friends. And I think that's kind of an epidemic that's going on right now. Like there's a lot of talk, but a lot of that talk is pretty shallow or it's very one-sided talk and it's not a real true dialogue. Um, That's what I'm seeing. What are you seeing as you look at this issue? You know, I was recently talking to a group of friends and this, this kind of made me think about this. We were talking about when you have something in your teeth and you go to a party and then you look in the mirror and after the party you realize, I had this thing in my teeth, why didn't anyone say this to me? But in all reality, probably no one noticed because they were all thinking about themselves. Mm. And and I kind of think of that with our lives because you know, we can talk all the time about the ability to ask questions and the Mm. ability to hone in but we are all, and I put myself included, we are busy, we have agendas, you know, we've treated relationships in a transactional way mm-hmm. as opposed to, and, you know, forgive me, I don't know what it is this afternoon in the fall, it just, you know, makes me, you know, I think about, you know, my sister-in-law from Louisiana, and the one rule she told me about Cajun cooking is it's slow and it takes time, and that's mm. just true with relationships, so relationship gumbo here we go hey relationship gumbo that's a hashtag for this uh for this episode relationship gumbo take it slow all right Uh, (laughs) anyway we have a special guest here which is pretty awesome it is yeah i'm pretty excited i i met him for the first time uh about 15 minutes ago when i walked into the room so this is really exciting it is for me well and so the great part about this podcast is I don't think people realize like not everyone do we like this is our first deep meaningful conversation so you're gonna see how well of an expert Aaron is true based on how he responds to all this so. great <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of experts we are in engaging deep meaningful conversation as well so sure. anyway well let's get started so Aaron McGinnis um, he's new to the Browncroft team he's a director of student ministry um, at Browncroft. We're very, very excited to have him. Aaron, before we dive right in, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background, where you grew up, how you ended up at Browncroft, and uh, then we'll start 
we're going to give you the hot seat questions. I love it. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Um, my name's Aaron. I grew up, I went to high school at Brockport, uh, Brockport High School, Go Blue Ooh. Devils. Um, and then for college, I moved all the way out and went to Roberts Wesleyan College about 18 minutes down the road. Um, there I did study uh, communications and interpersonal communication, which is uh really fun to talk about this stuff. Um, and then from there, I went down to Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia, where I worked uh, both uh, in media, making videos and animations and things like that, and learning how to communicate digitally um, with people. Um, but I also then uh, taught filmmaking to students from around the area, uh, from different walks of life. I was both in the private schools and I was also in the jails and um, got to teach some film making, do film festivals, and learn how to tell stories through that medium as well. So uh, now, um, coming back to Rochester three years later, uh, really excited to be here as a student director at Browncroft to learn how do I communicate the gospel message to these kids through different mediums. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Wow. Wow. Dude, I'm communications major, too. This is going to be great. Great. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and uh, we'll talk, We'll let people, Peter, deal with the uh, Bible stuff. Anyway, so you and me <laughs> can just talk about the communication stuff. Anyway, no, no. Um, so you're, you're someone who's jumping into this world of young people. Obviously, you know, you're not that far removed from your college experience yourself, but you've dedicated your life now to saying, hey, I want to invest in this younger generation. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm you're all about at this stage, which is a super, super fun stage to be at. Mm -hmm. um, as you think about that and you look at conversations that people are having now, do you see people who are not really able to have deeper conversations? I do see, I mean, it's funny you say that. Just last week we had our kickoff. So students came in Wednesday night, fun stuff. Uh, we went to dinners and I got to hear some of the dinner conversation around the table and I went over to the sixth grade boys and I'm like, ah, oh, what are they going to be talking about? And it was kind of your class, you know, what we would probably think about. They were talking about video games, but then they were talking about like drinking culture, which was very interesting to me. And I'm, you know, I tried to shift the conversation. Hey, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Um, but I found what I found there was that they really enjoyed talking about things they've seen or things that they, they do that don't really connect to themselves, but that could be experienced by every, I don't know, TV shows. We're talking favorite baseball players, things like that. Um, so yeah, I am seeing that. Uh, it, but it is funny when you do have deep conversations with these students, um, they do get into it. It's like a light bulb goes off and they're like, wait, you're actually asking me about something like deep within me. Um, sure. I'm ready to engage in these conversations. So you have both, uh, both and you have the kids who are talking about things uh, you know, little surface level. We're jet skiing on the top of the water, you know? And then, but when you do go deep, you find that they have a real appreciation for, you know, scuba diving in those waters. <laughs> so, um, so you get both, but yeah. Well, you know, I'm curious because I, I think some of our listeners, you know, we don't take, you know, for granted that we probably have every age listening, but you know, how with a sixth grader sometimes, like how does that even happen to go off the deep end you know because i i think sometimes people drop in a really deep question all of a sudden it's this big surprise or you know the sixth graders not answering or even a senior or a college student 
you know, what's been your experience and how that conversation lands there? Yeah, no, it's it's so true because you can't, especially with these kids, if you haven't established a relationship with them, you can't just drop a question, you know, mm. um, why do you think you don't have a good relationship with your mother? That's a question that a sixth grader could not, maybe not even comprehend, right? So you, you have to ease your way in. Um, it's funny, my last job filmmaking, we often tried to have kids tell deeper stories about themselves through filmmaking. So instead of through a conversation with me, we we told them, hey, what's a story that that represents your place in life right now? And you'd have you'd have very interesting things come up. You'd have eighth graders making a, a film about depression. And that's a conversation you can't just go out and have, right? Mm. But because we use a different, you know, approach um, to having them tell their story and have have them go deeper. Uh, they they were able to engage with it a little bit more. So uh, it, it could it, it's a lot, usually storytelling. Hey, tell a story a time where your brother uh, made you feel mad or something. And, and through those, you can kind of go around the minutia, we'll say yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, so just kind of let's keep going with this because you know I think about you know thirty, forty, fifty years ago. And I, I think you can lobby the same complaint. Um, you know, we lived in the suburbs. We all did our own thing, but no one knew what was really going on in families. And now it's a little bit different. So I, I guess I'm curious from your standpoint, from when you were, you know, a college student and a high schooler to now and even back, what do you think's the same about this topic versus what's different? Something I think that is for sure the same. We're all humans and we all have uh, a desire to connect relationally, but I don't think we're taught how to do that well. And I think it's always very scary, no matter your age, no matter where it's scary to engage in those conversations. So often we grow up and if we don't have mentors, if we don't have someone pushing us towards those conversations, we just never have them. I mean, I remember I worked at a summer camp as a counselor and I was on the leadership team and I remember uh, I was in a bunk bed, all guys, there's four guys, college age. And we talked about, um, we were talking about stuff that just didn't, you know, TV shows. We we're talking about our favorite sports team. And then one of the guys was like, why don't we ever like get into those conversations? And we're like, uh, and I think it's because we're just scared um, to ask about some, you know, what's going on in someone's uh, heart, what's going on in their mind. Um, so I think that just across border, if you're a grandparent, it's probably scary to ask your grandkids those questions, right? Or your mm -hmm. own children those questions. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it totally crosses uh, ages. It, it's just a human condition, I believe. Um, things that are different is the ways that we communicate now are completely different from 20 years ago. I I was thinking about today, I used to get on an online forum. Um, <laughs> this was before Facebook, uh, and it was a forum, and I would do all my a lot of communication with friends through that, and that communication looks so different than my conversations with friends at school in person. So now with social media, uh, the way we talk is just different. Um, so if we don't understand the way kids are talking, then we might talk right past them and them right past us. So we do need to um, engage in learning about these new ways that kids are talking. Cause, um, but there is no replacement for face-to-face -face, uh, relationship. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. And and Peter and I, you know, often on this podcast, at least once it seems like some conversation comes back to to social media. You know, what somehow what we're discussing, it comes back to that. Cuz it's such a huge driving force in our culture right now. It's just a major thing that I don't know that we've fully grasped yet. I don't think we've truly grasped what that's doing to us on our emotional level, mental level all of that. I, one of the things I notice about social media is there's kind of this this age of outrage that we're living in. So kind of the more crazy something is, the more it's kind of put out there. Um, what do you think about that in terms of how that sets conversations up? Yeah. So I mean, we've all seen it. We go online and you just see like your uncle saying something like, why do you have to say that? Um, it's it's fascinating the way social media works. I like to think of it, um, for example, you and I, John, we just yeah. met. But if you sat us in a chair right across the table from each other, like right now, yeah. we're going to see each other's expressions. We're going to connect on things. I can see you smiling and I'm like, this is a friendly dude, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but um when you go onto social media, first of all, that's taken out of it. The human perspective is taken out of it. But I also like to think about like this. If you give someone a megaphone, they will talk completely different than if they were just sitting across from someone. You know, you're in a crowd, you give someone a megaphone. They're like, whoa, there's power. Mm. I can turn this thing up and just blast it to so many people. Um, you're going to get a different communication style. And that's what happens when you go on social media. It's like giving someone a super powered megaphone. They're like, wait. I can just blast my opinions across. And then this is where it changes. Mm. Um, if I am sitting in a chair next to you, John, yeah. and I say something pretty polarizing, you're going to you know, be distant from me. You might not want to talk to me. I'm going to see that, wow, that I did not get rewarded for that. Mm. Um, I cannot form a relationship with this person anymore. But if I do that same thing on social media, and I yell, and I what happens is you get comments, you get people liking it, sharing it, you get rewarded for this outrage mentality, which just doesn't happen in face-to-face -face communication. So um, it gets addicting. You're like, wow, all these people love me. I have this huge following. Like half the people hate me, but it's kind of fun because they're still engaging with me. Um, so yeah, that's where I think we see a lot of that outrage cultures uh, happening. It's how do you think we deal with, because one of the things that's on my mind, in some ways, we have more information on people's feelings than we ever have before, but we know people less than we ever have before. Um, you know, I, I think about my life, you know, I post about my daughter and, you know, I post about my wife and, you know, just post about church. So people know a ton about me but they don't always know me. And I kind of look at it as in a continuum because on one hand you have people that they're on social media and I wish I had a better word. They're stalkers. Like they're just there. They want to know what's going on. And in real life they're quieter in the background. And then you have other people that kind of what you just described, I will tell you everything on social media and you sit down with them and you know, they're like the nicest person in the world. So you know, what is it now about the face-to-face -face conversation that's been so difficult to have? I mean, what do you, what are you seeing? And I know we've been talking to you about a director of student ministries. 
I mean, you're someone right now, I mean, do you have deep conversations with your friends or are you finding like, oh, well, we're just responding to social media, what someone posted, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, going off that last part, it's funny. A lot of my friends are n- not super active on social media, which mm. is interesting. And actually, when I made the decision three, four years ago to like kind of take a hiatus from it, um, my first thought was like, oh, I'm not going to be in the know of what my friends are doing. I'm going to be missing out on their lives. And that's kind of like not not even a loving thing to do. To not, um, But what I found is that uh, you form deeper connections uh, with the people around you. And even when I would go back, this so I left Rochester for three years. And then I wasn't really on social media. So I did not really know what was going on with some of my friends back here. But just yesterday, I ran into one of my good friends from three years ago. And he ran up, gave me a hug, and we immediately left off right where we were uh, before. And I didn't know anything about his last three years, you know, <laughs> like um, you would think like, oh, I'd be so behind. But um, our relationship still uh, continued um, even over that span of time. Oh, what was the, You said something else that triggered a thought. What were you? <laughs> I, I, I was like, oh, that's good. You know, I'm going to listen back to this podcast and like, Peter, why did you talk too much? Which is what I... <laughs> So I do think there's this continuum of someone that's present on social media, but they're not sharing versus someone that shares everything on social media, but doesn't share that in person. And I don't want to over stereotype that either, but I just have noticed that in my life. I don't know. How do you respond to that? Do you see that too? Yeah, you definitely see the people who a post a day, you know, like, oh, I know exactly what they're doing in the morning, evening and night. And then maybe you you go up to them and it's like crickets when you try to talk to them. Um, I think this is my thought on that is that people and I mean, I'm susceptible to this, too. If you spend your time communicating through social media, I mean, this could go. Th- I don't know, it might have been ham radio back in the day or something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, then you learn to to talk in that language. Um, and then when you try to translate that to in-person communication, it doesn't translate. It's not the same type of communication. So it, it's hard to have engaging conversations. Also, um, something, this idea of knowing about people, this actually came up last night in a conversation. Um, in English, we just have the word know, like, oh, I know about Pete. You know, I saw his post of Haley. Is that your daughter's name? Yeah. She's so cute. I know that he's a pastor. I know Pete, you know. Um, So that's what it sounds like in English. But in Spanish, you have two words for no. You have saber, which is like, oh, I know facts about Pete. And then you have conocer, which is, oh, I like know and I understand him and I have a relationship with him. And I think we need to, as a culture, focus more on knowing in relationship rather than I know where you went on vacation. I know the names of your daughters. Uh, that's good enough for me. I don't have to have an in-person conversation with you because I have stayed connected. And the truth is we're kind of being lied to. We're not connected to people that we only connect with uh by what you said, stalking through their stuff. So, um, yeah. Well, I want to, before John's got some great questions, but I just wanted to stop you because you talked about there's some conversations that don't translate well on social media. What are some examples of that? Oh, conversations that don't translate well on social media, like conversations we'd have in person that you cannot have. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
an in-person conversation could, if I were talking to you, Pete, and I was talking about your daughter, a, a social media conversation would be like, oh, so cute. Where did you get that outfit? Or like, who did you see there? Um, an in-person conversation that you wouldn't have on social media is like, hey, when you bring your daughter to these events, how does that change your experience? And does it bring you more joy? And what's what's tough about that when you have to bring your daughter to a work event? Mm. Like, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. boom, immediately... Like, how are you supposed to have that over social media? Text after text after. No, you have to respond in person. You have to respond to their uh, body gestures and everything mm-hmm. to have those conversations. So, um, yeah, it's very, it's just a different way to communicate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As I hear you talking, I'm like, wow, this is, this is really, really meaningful. And I think what you're communicating is there's a certain, dynamic that happens when you're face-to-face with people that you just can't get any other way. I think there's also a dynamic not only in what we communicate, but how we listen as well. Like, there's just such power in listening and just saying, hey, would you tell me more? Like, that question itself, can you tell me more, like, seems to open up doors. Like, people are not used to having anybody ask them that question. What's your experience with that? That's... I actually have a specific example for yeah. that. Like, like exactly what you're talking about. I was applying for this job as a camp counselor. I was going to play sports and teach kids. And I was like so excited. And one of the representatives came to interview me. And, you know, he asked me about like my relationship with my family and my relationship with God. And I, I remember when he was talking about my faith, like I, I just had things to spit out. Oh, I love, you know, I read, um, I grew up in a Christian home and that's it. And then he just sat there, nodded and was silent and kept nodding, like, keep going, keep talking. And I remember thinking, oh, crud, like I gave you all the things that I had ready to spit out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I used the whole arsenal on my Batman belt. Mm-hmm. Now now you're asking me to go back to the Batcave and get more stuff that I haven't touched in years, yeah. you know. Um and and I remember after that he you know he just waited and listened and was patient and then I kept talking. And then I thought he was going to interrupt and he didn't interrupt. He let me keep going and I kept talking. And I, it revealed stuff inside of me that I didn't even know was there cuz I mm. never talk about we don't you know, we're not taught to just sit and listen and have someone present uh, stuff that's deep within them. So, yeah, listening is huge. I mean, even just the simple act. Um, right now in our culture, silence is something we hate. Uh, we get in the car and it's silent. We throw on the radio so we hear something. You know, uh, we're sitting in the room with our own kid or our own parent and it, it gets awkward. So we throw on a TV show, right? Even with your spouse, you, you go in the, I hear this more and more, like you, you go to bed at night and instead of talking, you throw on the office, you know, or parks and recreation. And I'm guilty of that as well. And we just can't deal with the silence. Um, but so when students say like, oh, thank you so much for listening to me, it's because we're comfortable with silence. And then they present more and more about themselves that we would have never known if we hadn't just sat and listened. Um, yeah, it's yeah. very crucially important. Yeah. So, you know, as you're describing that one moment, like I'm watching your face as you're describing that and you're like visibly like you, you there's an emotion attached to 
you describing that. What were you feeling in that moment of like this guy is letting me talk? Like, what are you? What were you feeling? I still, I this is my exact like linear emotions. It was, you know, he let me talk. I'm like, this makes sense. I'm being enthusiastic. I answered the question. Then he waited, and I thought, this guy is weird. Like that was my first thought. It's like this is not normal. And so I'm like, I got to come up with more stuff. So right. I, I start saying stuff. And then I realize halfway through that, I'm like, wait, there's value in what I'm saying now, like both for him and for myself just to learn. Um, and at the end of that conversation, um, I felt like, wait, that was a really good conversation. And I was really glad he asked me. So I went through, uh, there's, there's almost this culture shock curve mm. um, where uh at first, I don't know. I went through this like, whoa, what is what is happening? This is not normal. I'm not okay with this to like, wait, there is a lot of value. And I kind of came up the surface and was like, you know, came up on the other side and thought, wow, that was really needed and helpful. And I should be doing this more with my friends. Yeah. You know, I'm curious, is there a topic or a question that you wished people would actually ask you about or that you wish people would ask you about more. And I'm going to throw that to you, John, too. So, wow. And then I'll throw it at you, Peter, just for fun. Just so, for fun. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Aaron, I mean, you know, because I, I think I wonder with all of us, no matter what our age is, you know, I wonder if, you know, we go through these relationships and we're like, you know, literally asking waiting for someone to ask, but we can't bring it up or something like in your life, you know, going to like, is there one area or one question that you're saying, please, like, can someone just, and all of a sudden now everyone's going to listen it and they're going to ask you, but you know, it is what it is. So go ahead. Oh man. I think I have many areas where I wish people would ask me. I think for a long time, one of the questions that I never got asked, and I think a lot of uh, men don't get asked is like, Hey, uh, do you have a best friend or like um, why is it difficult for you to have a, a best friend or someone that you can go to? Um, I don't know. Like, how are you dealing with that? Is, is that hard for you? Um, is that what people are telling you to do? So I, that was an interesting one for the longest time that I had never been asked. And actually that group of guys I was talking about earlier in the cabin with the bunk beds, um, that was kind of the question we were asking is like, why can't we be really good friends and let each other know like, Hey, I'm a, I, I want to spend time with you. And if you're doing something, I'd love to tag along and I want to know about your life. So, um, that's a question. I mean, I have a lot of other interests in my head. Like I love when people talk to me. I, I almost coach track and field for my oh. job. So I love when people ask like, Oh, uh, you know, what do you think about my injury? I don't know. Like there's so yeah. many topics and that I would love to share about that. We probably go on months, years without anyone asking us. Um, actually let's throw it around. You guys might spark some ideas for me of questions. I'm like, Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, man, that's a good, those are good questions. I, I, and that's a great question that you intro there, Peter. That's a really good one. I, as I, as I, my initial gut reaction is this, as you ask that question, my, my feeling is what do I yearn for most? It's people when I give them the easy answer back, go, no, okay, great, but for real though. R rather than me just saying, when they say, how are you doing? To You can tell when someone's asking you, how are you doing? 
just for kind of fun because they have to because it's a social thing that we do. And my I have a pre-programmed response for that. And I realize that internally. I have a pre-programmed response most of the time for how you do. Oh, I'm good. I'm busy. I'm whatever. I, I fill in those blanks. But I what I yearn for, I think, is people go, and we, we know some of those people who will do this, will sit down and go like, okay, that's a nice answer that you just gave there, but how you really doing? Like, really what's going on in your life? Um, I think that's what I yearn for more than just, you know, anything else. How about you, Peter? Yeah, you know, it's... Um... I feel almost hypocritical like saying this, but I feel like I'm in a lot of conversations that I just wish people would ask me like, well, what do you actually think? Mm. You know? And I just find that so tough because like, and the reason I think it's hypocritical is because I'm trying myself to not just say what I think, but ask people what, what they think. And there's like this reciprocity where, you know, I'm batting like, 200 on that where you know without naturally but it's nice to be invited to do that and then you know i i totally agree with you too it's what's really going on mm-hmm. you know like hey because i'll say my standard fine mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden after that what's really going on so yeah yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> i this is what i would say I, i've made it a point it's it's so funny i've made it a point in my own life because I think it's from my communications major that I learned this is like um, I've made it a point in my life to learn about a lot of things to connect with people on. So, for example, I went to a uh, just a young adult gathering, right? Uh, Ran into someone. I was there with my fiance and I was talking to this girl who knew a little she was doing architecture. And usually that conversation would go would go like this, like, hey, my name's Aaron. What's your name? Oh, you know, Emily, Uh, like uh, oh, what do you do in town? Oh, I'm an architect. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, where do you go to church? Oh, I go here. Great, that's cool. You know, and then it would end. Um, but I found out be like, oh, like they're building something on the downtown mall that's supposedly going to like really affect the way like traffic flows. Like, what do you think of uh, that architecture program or that architecture project? And they're like, oh, like that's actually something I'm working on. And I'm like, oh, how do you think like the colors of walls affect emotion? And they're like, oh my gosh. So, and then they go into it. And so if you can find something Mm. that someone's passionate about and ask more than just what do you do, but Mm. question, so, you know, Peter, for you, like a question could be like, how important is one-on-one conversation in um, ministering to someone's family, you know? Or I don't know, what's, what's the topic you love to just, what's a hobby even that you love? You know, I, I read a lot and uh, Dylan, our producer is like doing basketball, but you know, all five, six of me, but no, I, I get, you know, yeah, to have that follow up. I mean, John, what are some stuff for you that, you know, just natural passions? You are pretty buff. So you yeah. go to the gym. Yeah, of course. So people all automatically assume that. Yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, no, I don't, I don't know if there's like one thing that I'm like, oh man, would you ask me about this, you know, in terms of hobbies or anything? I don't know. I mean, I, I do enjoy the outdoors. So people generally, once they get to know me a little bit, they know that about me. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, yeah. So in my, when I hear that, my yeah. next question would be like, oh, like, do you like going hiking on mountains or do you like long trails? Like what parts of nature really make you like feel alive? Things like that. This is a funny 
this is the same house where I had the architecture conversation, but we were sitting in a group. People were talking about, I don't know. We don't know. But um, I asked the question because there's half girls, half guys. And I'm like, hey, this is a random question, girls. But what part of your makeup do you do that you think probably no one notices? And Wow. And each one of them had a very specific answer. And we went and we talked about why they do their makeup. We talked about like, uh, you know, like what they see on social media or what they see that makes them want to do that part of their makeup. And it was like this really rich conversation about like makeup routines, which sounds ridiculous. Right. But they got to share their thoughts. And like two weeks later, uh, a girl comes up to me and she's like, man, I've just been telling everyone about that conversation we had. Really? And I'm like, so it, I don't think you really need to like nail like that one thing that someone's thinking about, but just hearing people's ideas and then dignifying them and saying like, wow, like you've thought about this. That's a really valuable idea. They, they feel just great. They've taken something from inside themselves, presented it on the table and you've affirmed it and said there's value in that. Um, and I think, it's incredibly rewarding for someone to feel that way. But yeah, conversation about makeup ended up being a really good quote unquote conversation. So before we get to our last question, you know, we'd be remiss to say at the time of recording this podcast, you're engaged, you're about to get married. You know, how, how do you have serious conversations? How are you navigating that? I mean, I'm sure some of our listeners are either dating, engaged, um, I don't know. Just love to hear from you. Oh, I love it. See, like that's a question that I love that you asked me. So, um, yeah, my fiance, her name's Kelsey. She's amazing. And she's actually going to the University of Rochester for school counseling. So she's actually having these conversations as well. So uh, all these questions, uh, you know, this topic of the podcast today, I got to talk with her earlier. But it was interesting in the beginning of our relationship. It's like, how do you get to these topics? And one thing um we found really helpful. Well, first we just talked about like our families. Um, we even drew out our family trees, like, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we even uh, indicated where divorces were, where there was uh, estranged relationships, mm-hmm. right? Things like a that. Genogram is that what? A you genogram, yeah, genogram. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we just filled one of those out, mm-hmm. and that led to a lot of great conversations. You know, oh well, my aunt, her, and my, my mom had a tough relationship. You know, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then there was a specific ride when we were thinking about moving back to Rochester, and we were thinking about like, what does that move mean for our friends? And we were driving, and it's eight and a half hours. So we're like, all right, we got to talk about something. We have eight and a half hours. Um, and we ended up asking questions in analogies. And this is what I mean. Um, I would say things like, okay, your best friend in Virginia is moving away. If you, if you, that relationship was a house, in what condition is the house? Uh. And um, she, she would, uh, she went and said, Oh, like, I mean, it could be any relationship, but you could be like, Oh, the, it's a great house, but there's no windows and the draft is coming in. Or um, I feel like she has her own room that she stays in and isn't willing to explore the rest of the house. Um, So, and, and that will work with students too, or people that you haven't had deep conversations with. If you get around it, it's less scary. Um, to talk about things in terms of analogies. One of my favorite, this is the last one I'll say, one of my favorite was this camp that I was a counselor at. We got into Bible studies, and the the thought of Bible studies is like, oh, we're probably going to go deep, right? Um, 
the first question they asked us was this. They, they asked us this. If your faith journey were a football game, where would you be? Are you the quarterback running the show? Are you sitting on the bench just waiting for your opportunity to shine? Are you sitting in your room watching the game on TV because you're too scared to let anyone know that you want to play football? Or have you thrown the TV out of the house? Because, Or maybe even like maybe you don't even know if football is the game you should play. You want to play baseball, right? And so we got a variety of answers. And when people can engage with that analogy, you get some interesting stuff. And I mean, this was the first conversations I had with these people. And I immediately knew like where they were at. So you could ask that in terms of faith, in terms of relationships with your kids or with your parents, um, anything. Dude, that's a, that's, that's a really wise idea. I love that using analogies. And I think that really brings us kind of full circle into kind of how we normally end our combo, and that's bringing it to Jesus. Like, what would Jesus say about this question? So Peter and I are going to go first, and then we'll let you back clean up, so to speak, to use an analogy. Can I answer his football question? Sure. This is going to go back to our Sam Macho episode. Yeah. I'm a kicker. Yeah. I'm a linebacker stuck in a in kicker's, kicker's body. body. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Thank you, David Akers. Um, so as I was sitting here, you know, I find it, I find it fascinating. Like I think that sometimes Christians and followers of Jesus are so insecure, and like so, what they do is like when they read about Jesus, it's all about his declarative teachings, and. I'm going to go completely off the cuff here. So, you know, there's probably going to be some scholar that calls me up. I remember Jesus's questions to people more than I remember his teachings. And the funny thing about Jesus is, you know, you want to talk about why can't my friends talk about anything serious? I think if Jesus was here, he'd be like, well, you're probably not asking enough questions. And, you know, I think about the woman at the well, Mm -hmm. you know, how he engages her in questions. And you think about Nicodemus and, you know, we remember John 3, John 3, 16, but that happened in a course of a conversation with questions. And um, I just think that Jesus's questions at times are so much more powerful than his teachings because it's a reminder of Jesus being personal and being involved. And that's how we should live in our lives. Mm. Yeah, that's a great one, Peter. And actually my mind first went to that woman at the well illustration too. that story of Jesus encountering this woman who he wasn't supposed to talk to. And she is essentially in the course of this story, trying to get him veered off into other directions. She's, she doesn't want to go there with her life. She, she wants to go any way other than go into really the core of what she's about. But Jesus gently brings it back and he brings it back with an analogy. He's like, I have water that never runs out. And she's like, well, just tell me where that water is because that's what the kind of water that I want. And Jesus mm-hmm. is like, okay, let me tell you. And he, and he unveils who he is to her in a way that she can really connect with. Um, but he did that, you're right, Peter, by asking questions, by using analogies, by truly caring about her enough to say, yeah, 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 I know you want to distract about this, but I want to push in a little bit and ask you really, you know, he asked her, he told her something that freaked her right out. He was like, yeah, who you, you know, why don't you go back to your husband? And she's like, oh, I don't have a husband. He's like, oh, you're, you know, you're right. You got five husbands already. And, and, and she was like, oh my goodness. 
And he knew that that was the core of what she was dealing with. So he went there. I don't think we need to be afraid to go there either, but we need to do it with love. And, um, and so that's how I would approach, and I think Jesus would approach this situation. Aaron, you get to back clean up. Yeah, there you go. So clearly Jesus wasn't sitting just in the temple writing letters, sending them off, never meeting with people. He's in their houses, forming relationships, asking questions. And you always get the sense when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, um, to Zacchaeus, to anyone, that he loves them and wants to, he's not condemning them. I mean, the, the woman who comes and cleans his feet, who's a sinner, um, he is forming relationships with them and he's getting answers to questions. He's asking questions, getting their answers, dignifying them saying, you know, I love you basically through his actions. Um, so it, it's all about relationship with him. And then from that relationship, he's able to ask those hard questions that we are scared to ask. But if we followed Jesus's example of forming relationships, getting time with people, learning about them, asking tough questions um, after we form that relationship, we're, you'll see some life change and people will be very thankful that you had those conversations with them. So, yeah. Aaron, I'm so glad that you came on this podcast. It's a joy to kind of get to know you. And um, as we close today, I just want to remind all of you that you can catch episodes and see all of our updates at www.whygodwhypodcast.com. Um, we are on social media. And just, you know, a little reminder, sharing is caring. Um, we hope that you share this episode on social media and text people. And the last thing you can do to help raise us up in the uh, podcast world, if you could review us, whether it's on Google Play or Apple uh, Podcast app, uh, that we greatly appreciate it. We hope that you have a wonderful day, and we hope that you're engaging your friends and your family in more serious ways.